0: Our New Testament lesson this evening comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, reading from the Authorized Version. This is the Word of the Lord. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. The word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: God will you pray with me our father of the gospel is noble and grand and it should be preached in a noble and grand manner and no preacher ever ever attains to its height but the Spirit of God never misses and we ask that the Holy Spirit will be at work in hearts and lives even in this Christmas Eve service to direct our attention once again to this babe, this babe who grew, and who died on a cross, and who rose from the dead, and who intercedes for his people and is coming again. And may we see something of the comprehensiveness of thy salvation extending from eternity to eternity. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Let's stand once again for the reading of one verse from Luke chapter 2. As the angels praise God, verse 14, the word of the Lord, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The word of the Lord, please be seated. For some of you who are with us tonight, but have not been with us for the entirety of this month. This evening comes as a culmination of a series that we have been looking at over this entire month of December, beginning with the first Sunday of December, Why He Came. And we have been asking the question, why did the Son of God become flesh and dwell among us? We began with Genesis chapter three, the fall of all mankind in Adam, our federal head, and none but Jesus, can redeem fallen man. Why did he come? He came to redeem fallen sinners. And then we turn to 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom. And we entered as deeply as we could into what it means that Jesus Christ is the mediator and the only mediator the one who alone could ransom us from our sins. And then we turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 and following, and we saw four reasons in that text, all related for the coming of our Savior, that he might suffer for our sins, that he might identify with us, that he might remove the fear of death, and that he might be qualified as our great high priest. And then last Sunday from Philippians chapter 2, we also saw how the Son of God became the suffering servant of Jehovah and took that road that led him all the way in obedience to the cross and also the path that led him to exalted glory. And so obviously over these weeks we have seen that Christ came to be our Savior, that Christ came to be our Redeemer that he came to obey the law that we broke, and because of that broken law, we deserved his infinite displeasure, that he came to go to the cross in our place and pay the penalty for our sins. We have seen that God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that he came to propitiate the wrath of God, to satisfy the justice of God so that we might be saved. And he did not have to save us. He did not have to come into this world. But he saves out of sovereign will and out of a a love that he has for his own. He came and he did this marvelous thing for us because he loved us. And yes, this is wondrous to see. This is glorious to see and would be quite more than enough to fill our Christmas With a sense of amazement, would it not? And yet there is a reason that is higher, an answer that we find in the text that we have just read for why the second person of the Trinity became man and went to the cross. And we find in Luke chapter 2 verse 14, as the angels proclaim his birth, When they proclaim sovereign grace on that first Sunday morning, we find an answer to the question, why did the Son of God become man that I I fear we do not consider as we should and do not think of as we ought. We find it here as the angelic hosts fresh from the throne of God proclaim the results of the birth of Christ. So let's ask the question, what are the results of his coming according to the angels, these bright messengers of God? And in the process, let us see the highest answer to the question why God became man. Well, as we look at this one verse, verse 14, will you look at it again? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We find, first of all, the reason, the result of his coming was that God would be glorified. So your first point is God is glorified. Glory to God in the highest. The word that is used here, this little word doxa, means the brilliance of light. It's already been used in verse 9 here in chapter 2. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. It means bright appearance. It is a term that is expressive of the majestic being of God, the majestic presence of God. The angels are proclaiming an ascription of praise. The glory of God is being revealed in the gift of His only begotten Son. There is therefore awe in the presence of these angels because the glory that is being displayed points them beyond the glory of these created angels to the creator of these angels, to God himself. Why does the birth of the Son of God glorify God? Why does it show forth his praise? Why do the angels sing this chorus What does it reveal about the brilliance of God's being? Why does this bring glory to the Lord that the second person of the Trinity became man and dwelt among us? Well, it brings glory to God because the eternal plan and purpose of God to bring glory to himself has come to fruition in the incarnation of God's own son. Before man even fell into sin, in eternity past, in the eternal counsels of God, in in those counsels that are beyond our comprehension and our ability to apprehend, God in counsel had determined this day. In eternity past, the Lord determined to save a people that would fall into sin, And in the covenant of redemption, God in counsel determined to send the Son to be the surety, the one who would pay the debt for those chosen of the Father. And so the Son willingly came to be the surety and the mediator and the priest of the elect fallen sinners. Gerhardus Voss said it so beautifully, the Father as judge represents violated holiness and is wrathful. But at the same time, the thought of salvation wells up in the depth of his fatherly heart, and he ordains the Son as mediator and the Holy Spirit as the one who applies salvation. The Son accomplishes the mediator's work, but he does so officially for the Father's sake, and through the Holy Spirit he applies his merits. The Holy Spirit works in the hearts of the elect, but he does so for the sake of the Father and the Son. Do you see the point here? God is glorified because the the unimaginable plan that God put together to bring glory to his name is fulfilled on that first Christmas morning and as the sun grew and went to the cross and died and rose and ascended. And this and more is included in glory to God in the highest. The shepherds at this point could not have known all of this. The angels themselves, these are things Peter tells us that angels desire to look into. The angels themselves could not have comprehended the wonder of this plan, but this plan is the backdrop to everything that we have been preaching over these weeks, nonetheless. And we know it because the Bible goes on to tell us why he came. Now here is the answer to the question, why did he come? Why did he come? For our sins. Yes. As our mediator? Absolutely. Absolutely. As our sinless substitute? Yes. But why all of this? And the answer is the glory of God. God chose to display his own glory in the incarnation, atonement, resurrection, ascension, high priestly office, and soon in the coming again of the Son of God to take His people unto Himself. That, my friends, is the reason, the ultimate reason, the ultimate ground of Christmas. God was seeking who is deserving. God was seeking the display of His own glory. The first result of His coming then is that God is glorified. But here we answer secondly that the reason for his coming is peace and that God has chosen to glorify himself in the plan of salvation that brings peace with God. And I especially want you to hear this second point. If you are here tonight and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, the second point is peace between God and man. What do the angels sing? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You see, the result of the incarnation of the Son of God is peace between God and man. We read Genesis 3 a few weeks ago, the fall of mankind in our first parent Adam. Peace, that is reconciliation, presupposes that a relationship has been broken. In Adam, the human race came under God's wrath, became foolish rebels against God, and we were totally corrupt in ourselves, incapable of making even one move toward God. So it seems a hopeless case, doesn't it? Yes, for man it is hopeless, but not for God. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. It is not a hopeless case because God Himself had a purpose. God Himself had a plan, and the relationship between God and man is restored, but how? The New Testament, as we read on, tells us that peace between God and man has been restored by the blood of his cross, by this little baby who grew and who obeyed the law that we broke. We're sinners. Our relationship with God destroyed, utterly destroyed, and yet through the blood of his cross, oh, how I delight to proclaim it, through the blood of the cross of Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins, there is imputed righteousness, there is reconciliation with God. And that little baby that the shepherds are about to go and see, he is the Lamb of God that will be sacrificed for his elect on the cross. Thinking about Voss reminded me this week of a poem of Voss, Dutch theologian. He loved to write poetry, just these lines. Spending his all, yet never spent, entering our kind and ours alone, flesh of our flesh, bone of our bone, the uncreated light of light, heaven's noonday, swallowed by our night, guileless incapable capable of wrong, more than the lambs he lay among, his smallness laden with our sin. Born that his birth cries might begin full 30 years of tragedy, each step a step toward Calvary. That's why he came. He is God. He is man. And as such, he can pay the price. He can make peace with God. Isaiah 9, we read it earlier, For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God the everlasting father, the prince of peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It must happen. It is his purpose. God is zealous to see it happen. He will redeem his people through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. A new thing, people of God, a new thing, eternally new, always fresh. God and man reconciled through the blood of Christ. And then when that legal transaction has taken place, and by faith we receive Him through the Spirit's work, when the Holy Spirit grants the new birth, we are translated out of the wrathful kingdom into the kingdom of God's own dear, peace-loving, peace-giving Son. And we are given new hearts and new longings and new loves and new dispositions, and we are reconciled to God all on the basis of his achievement, his accomplishment, his precious shed blood. 2 Corinthians 5, the apostle says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, in Christ's dead, be reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. And I cannot help but wonder, is there someone here? Perhaps you've had five Christmases. Perhaps you've had 30 Christmases. Perhaps you've had 60 Christmases. And maybe there is someone here, Christmas after Christmas after Christmas, and you have never yet understood the meaning, the message of it all. The world certainly is doing everything it can to obscure the meaning of it all. But may God give you ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive. The reason for it all is peace. The angels proclaimed it, peace. We, I, you, need to be reconciled to God. And there is only one way, through the provision of God's own dear, precious Son, that he might become man and pay the penalty for our sins. Do not leave this place tonight without trusting in Christ alone, who is the only peacemaker between God and man. Hear the message. Receiving by faith. Well, for whom? It is for all who believe. Trust in Him. Yes, you say, but pastor, sinners will not believe unless the Lord enables it. And so right you are. Well, we come to the mystery of electing grace on this Christmas Eve also, because the angels proclaim it. It's right here in verse 14. Look at it. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Luke 2.14 is all about God's electing grace, that he has chosen a people to be redeemed and saved, and it will be a multitude that no man can number from every tongue, tribe, nation, and kindred on earth. Now, the word that is used here by the angels, Eudakia, is a word that evokes election. You could translate it to men upon whom God's favor rests. And we see this very word used especially in other contexts for election. Ephesians 1, 5 and 9, listen. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure, that's the word the angels used, according to the good pleasure of his will. Ephesians 1, 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, that's the word, According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. And so, do you see what the angels are singing? God has a purpose, a comprehensive purpose, and that purpose to redeem that multitude that no man can number will be fulfilled. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those upon whom God's good pleasure rests. He came for the people of God. This he determined in that eternal council long ago. And so the angels are singing praise to God for his electing grace. The angels are praising God that he has eternally planned to redeem a people for himself. They praise God for his sovereign free election. Listen, there were no Arminian angels on that first Christmas morning. There are none, except perhaps the fallen angels, of course. They did not sing glory to God, but that glory can be hindered by man's free will. They did not, they did not sing glory to God, but glory to man is greater because he can thwart God's plan. No, no. It is, and does it fill your heart too with praise? It is glory to God in the highest for his sovereign good pleasure, that God actually redeems. He doesn't leave it to man who can do nothing. He actually saves. And there are also no liberal angels in that choir, let me say. Uh, They came to praise God for the Word made flesh. I recently read something that Peter Jones said. He said the liberal version is the flesh was made the Word. You see it's all about man. God is here to serve me. Oh no 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 no. He has served you, hasn't he? He has served you. But it was free. It was voluntary. It was his his own purpose and plan to glorify his name. Yes indeed, he has served us. He has served us. But it was not because in any way he was compelled to do so. It was free free grace christmas is all about grace grace so conclusion what was the ultimate reason that he came all of the things we've seen so deeply and wonderfully true but he came ultimately the very pinnacle He came for the glory of God. Nothing more than the incarnation of our Lord could make the chorus of verse 14, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. God's eternal purpose and plan fulfilled. God determined this plan for our good, yes, but he planned this for his own glory. So, if indeed that is so, and it is, if the ultimate reason that Jesus Christ came into this world and redeemed and saved us was the glory of God, if that's the ultimate reason, then is it my heart's desire and is it your heart's desire to live for the glory of God? Surely, if he sent his son into the world that he might be glorified and he saves us from our sins, surely the result must be that I am beginning more and more to long for his glory and to want to live for his glory in all of life. You see, we can add nothing to God's essential glory. He is infinitely glorious. He is glorious in his being. We can add nothing to that. What then does it mean that we glorify God? It means that we acknowledge him, that we show forth His greatness, that we do all with a desire to please Him. Do you not see what is happening in the world and often in the church? I was reading the Dutch theologian Klash Gilder just recently and I was struck by something he said as he was thinking about the, the, the coming of Christ and where the world is going. He said, self-love will cause people to despise the transcendent God. Humanity will become a God unto itself. That's what's happening. Your task, therefore, is to witness to this fallen world. Your task is unity of the church in confession of the truth. We will not have numbers on our side, but we have truth on our side. And we have the glory of God as our aim and his purpose Cannot fail. Do you know that this is a sign of a heart that really knows God? The sign of a heart that is really born of the Spirit? So, what about you? Is that your heart? Have you trusted in Christ alone for your redemption? Do you have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord? Oh, people of God, if so, surely. The message of Christmas that we take home now to our children and to one another is Gloria in excelsis Deo. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.